0: Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is a podcast by, for, and about teachers. It's not a place where we discuss rigor or teaching methods or sell lesson plans. It's simply a safe space for teachers to share their stories, frustrations, and triumphs. And for our listeners to realize, episode after episode, that they're not alone. Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is sometimes funny, sometimes disturbing, but always honest.
1: Welcome to Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod. Two teachers explore the realities of education. This week we will be talking to Nick Richardson. Nick is here to tell us all about the ins and outs of producing a high school musical, as well as the new career path he's recently decided to explore. I'm Yomis. And I'm Miss B. How's it going? It's going good. Before we do Anything, anything, anything. I have to give a huge shout out to our son, Andy. Andy, happy birthday. Today is my son's, our son's 31st birthday. He's old because we're old, but uh, yeah, and he's actually <laughs> a listener. So happy birthday, and he's out to dinner right happy now birthday. with his fiance. And oh, yeah, it goes quick. Very, very quick. Anyway, so that's what's going on with me. <laughs> I'm feeling incredibly (laughs) old and just getting a walker soon and just curling up. How about you, Miss V? What's happening?
2: Well, I also have been feeling incredibly old because on Friday, I woke up like barely able to walk because of my hip and sciatic nerve, which it seems as though I injured them while sleeping. So... (laughs) So, I know it's not funny, uh, but (laughs) I and you know, the way in which you stretch your sciatic nerve is not really any sort of thing you want to be doing at work. No, but that's all my coworkers. Anytime I had to go over to someone's desk, I would prop my foot up and like lean so I could like lean into a stretch. (laughs) It by midway through the day, it got better, but I felt like it takes a special kind of body. To injure itself while sleeping. Yes, and it, it, it I does. Think my age and lack of physical activity might be to blame.
1: Well, <laughs> it's possible, but I, I actually am very f- familiar with the sciatic nerve. Not from my own experience, fortunately, but my mom had trouble with it, and we're going—you know—in the way way back in the '70s when it was the summer when the Watergate hearings were going on. So, you know, similar to what's happening now, only people actually gave a shit back then. And you know, somebody had to resign. My mom had sciatica. And so she laid on her back, pretty much the whole summer with her legs up on on the bed, watching the Watergate hearings. And I was like 14. And I was at her beck and call. So I was like the most well informed 14 year olds when it came to the Watergate hearings, you know, it's like our Congresswoman Liz Holtzman was all involved in Senator Sam Irvin and all, you know, I, they, they were like my pals, because that was my summer. So when you just said that, I was like, wow, man, that that takes me back to way back in the day. But uh, I don't know how she injured it either. So maybe it is a sleeping thing because she was not physically active either. So it could be. Well, I, I don't know. I-
2: I had a lot of problems with it when I was pregnant with my second one. But Mm. of course, then I was much younger and pregnant. So clearly that was the problem. But this one, I had no excuse. But oh, my gosh, it was a rough Friday morning. I was hobbling around and my coworkers were like, Maybe you lifted something heavy. Maybe you twisted. Like you guys are so cute. I don't do any moving. I'm so sorry. You're, that's such so, an adorable idea that I actually, like, I, you know, did something. Because they were I was like, did you lift off. one of your kids? I was like, oh, I don't hold the children anymore. <laughs> So, yeah, it was just a, just one of those sleep injuries. Yeah.
1: You know, there is that thing though, where you wake up and you're like, oh, I must have slept wrong. I can't like
2: turn my head.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> I can't drive in reverse. Clearly I can't go to work. I can't back <laughs> out of my garage.
2: I'm you sorry, know? officer. I had a rough night <laughs>
1: sleepless. <laughs> they, they just don't, and somehow that doesn't get you out of a ticket. They're like, no, sorry.
2: No. You should not
1: be on the road but- if you don't know how to sleep.
2: In a segue to also showcase how I'm both old and still very young and hip. Yesterday, my husband and I made a recipe off TikTok.
1: You did? Did you have to dance
2: while you did it? Like, did you have to do a little TikTok dance? Oh, I, I, as we've established, that would be too much physical activity (laughs) for (laughs) me. But we were, we had the smoker out because we were, get smoking as one does with a smoker and then my <laughs> husband had run to the store to get a few things and he comes back he's the big tiktok watcher i mm-hmm. forget it exists but um he watched he saw one where they put in the smoker like cream cheese pepper jack cheese corn <laughs> mm-hmm. interesting cilantro jalapenos. Just such things, and then you smoke it for like forty five minutes, and it all melts and it's gooey, and then you stir it. And I, first of all, it called for canned corn, and I was like, absolutely no, not. No, bad. The least we're using frozen corn, so we did that, and then it was freaking delicious. Was it? Oh my gosh, the smoky, the smoky flavor gave it, it was like unusually. It was so good. So, so, could I,
1: since I don't have a smoker, could I like make this in the microwave and then like hold like a match over it for a little while or something? And like, you know, put it I like mean, next certainly
2: to you, you could <laughs> <laughs> take it I to mean, like a bar. You could, yeah, you could. Like, um, <laughs> that's a different kind of smoke. Yes. <laughs> oh. Oh okay. <laughs> it's like smoked corn ashtray flavor, ashtray yeah, edition Yeah, there so you go. could you could make the dip part, obviously, right. but the smokiness, oh my goodness. And we had mesquite chips in. So that I guess was the wow. no we didn't. We we didn't have mesquite and I lied. We had hickory. Right. <laughs> uh, um, oh, oh. It that's serious. it, you're I out. Shit. That's it, you liar. <laughs> But it was so stinking good. I did feel like I was watching my husband, like, assemble the things. And I was just like, well, that's a disgusting combination. The corn. And I like corn. But the corn is where I was just like, this is weird. But, oh, my goodness, it was so good. The corn. I love corn.
1: And, you know, I'm sure every state has their, like, corn season or whatever. but. Jersey corn, and there's not much about New Jersey food that I'm like a real fan of, being a New Yorker, like it's much better over on the other side of the river, but the corn here is phenomenal, and right now we're like heading right into Jersey corn season, and I, like I drive past the corn fields where I run past them, I'm like, come on, let's go, let's go, like it's just, <laughs> ah, so good. I would right. not have ever thought of Jersey corn. It's it's a thing, I'll send you an ear, by the time you get it, it'll be Totally rotten, but hey. We have you know.
2: delicious Michigan corn. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, oh. well, we, as I...
3: We are the Garden State, you know.
2: That's right. Oh, that's right. That's we, not are, just a we, have great,
3: we have great tomatoes also. But that's we have the great
1: thing. tomatoes, cranberries, blueberries. blueberries actually, you snakes. wouldn't think so. Like New Jersey, you would think is just hell, but and most of it is, but but some <laughs> but of the... Those, large some, part.
2: I had yeah. not thought about the Garden in hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's not the but, Garden of Eden.
3: <laughs> no, the Garden of Eden. <laughs>
2: <laughs> on a latitude thing are you sort of where similar to michigan so that's no probably we're, we're
3: further similar. south
2: so, yeah don't
1: ask me that question i have no fucking idea um actually David, i uh, asked
2: no clue what i was talking about so, scotty, <laughs> for the, scotty for the one i only knew the latitude question because my parents are wine drinkers oh. and so, ah. I, so when you were in northern california or california in general they'll talk about like well, it's on the same latitude as blah, 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 France. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 But also, well, that's true. But- yeah.
1: That is true. But you can also tell them that it also has, you know, the California business also has to do with the ocean breezes and all that stuff. And, and we and went the to soil Napa. And the whole we, thing. we
2: took the 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 classic they know all of this. Yeah. If they speak of the latitude, they obviously are wine snobby in other ways.
1: That's yeah. (laughs) Well, that's supposedly
2: northern Michigan claims they're on the same latitude as some fancy region, and Mm -hmm. yet their wine's not good. So Latitude isn't everything. No. I think we nope. need to put that on t-shirts and wear them around. <laughs> <laughs> latitude I,
1: the isn't episode.
2: everything. <laughs> I think it should be latitude it's, ain't everything. <laughs> I, that's the name of the episode. And <laughs> or, forget
1: the guest. Bye guys. Yeah. Just sorry, Nick, you're out. All right.
2: <laughs> Miss V, would you like to do the intro for our guest here? Sure. So I invited Nick on because I used to work with him. And specifically what I wanted to pick his brain about is putting on a high school musical because he worked with our choir director at the school that we taught at. They only did musicals. They didn't do plays. And Thanks. so he worked at the choir director. And over the many years of going to see said musicals, every time I always just felt like Being in charge of a musical would be my personal hell. And not just because I can't sing or act or dance, but so many children. And how do you get them to show up and learn the lines and then do the dances? And then how do you get the kids to dance with the other kids they don't like? And then it just is amazing to me. So I thought it would be great to work and hear all the behind the scenes. But then also, he has recently left teaching and is in a sort of related profession, but a little bit different. So I thought we could talk to him about that as well. So, welcome, Nick.
0: Hello. Welcome Thanks for having to me. The pod. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> and, and thank you for talking up my experience. But I'd, what I'd really like to weigh in on is this corn debate.
1: Feel free. <laughs> go (laughs) because as you guys were
0: well as you guys were talking i did not want to interrupt but you know we were debating michigan corn new jersey corn and one thing i just want to point out is our state's biggest sports team chose the colors blue and yellow and then renamed the color yellow to maize so if you're wondering about our dedication to corn that's how big it is
1: okay Okay, that's, that's fair. But, you know, we don't have to advertise our corn. Everyone knows Jersey corn.
2: <laughs> I think you're confusing that with Jersey Shore. Everyone. Oh, gosh. <laughs> don't, 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 don't. Oh, my
1: gosh. So, Nick, tell, tell us, is it like the movie High School Musical? That's what I want to know.
0: Is oh, man.
2: That- <laughs> In the yes. intro, I was trying to come up with, like, He'll tell us about a high school musical, not the Disney one, but I couldn't come up with something witty enough. So here we are.
0: I'm sure a joke will emerge at some point. The problem is it really, it it is, it's a lot like a high school musical with less singing because the kids don't just naturally sing, you kind of got to tell them to, but yeah, I would say it's equal parts chaos and dramatic, not in the, the theater sense, but in the, yeah, in the, in the students being Dramatic. The parents being dramatic. The the teachers who are making it happen being dramatic. Yeah, it it it's a lot of work. I mean, there's a reason that when you when you see high schools doing musicals, it's usually a, a two or three month process. We would not choose that timeline. It's the timeline required when everything moves so slowly. But um, it's always a blast. It's always worth it on the opening night. But yeah, to to ask if it's like high school musical a little. <laughs>
2: Before it's we actually, get into it, tell us a little bit about your experience in theater.
0: Sure. So I am a, a proud theater dropout. I did theater all the way through high school and college and loved it. And it was my niche. And I wanted something you know, that was way more glamorous and paid way more. So I became a teacher.
2: Yes. <laughs> as
0: so many of us do. <laughs> no, I, I really, uh, I just got into the education programs in college and loved them um, wanted something a little bit more consistent so i i did stop theater for a while but then in my adulthood i just picked it right back up again i i do community theater all the time and have done one or two professional shows but mostly community theater just cuz it's, uh, it's it's pretty easy to do you can I'd, I'd encourage anybody who's got an extra 3 hours in their day you probably can do community theater but it is it's time consuming so you got to you got to make sure you've got the energy for it but yeah, that was my, my theater world. I, I did briefly consider a career in theater, but watched some of my friends go through the real challenge that is professional theater. You know, it, it's not like Major League Baseball. You know, professional theater for the vast majority of people is like the minor, minor, minor leagues. You are getting paid a minimal amount, you got to work three other jobs and you got to love it. So I, I did not have the patience for it to do, to do professional theater.
2: So has it changed the way you are when you're in a play, having now directed so many teenagers? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or were you already yeah. a phenomenal co-star?
0: <laughs> no, I don't think I'm. A, I think I'm a, a, a nightmare to work with on stage. <laughs> I, I, think I'm a, I think I'm a total drama queen. <laughs> I I think in working with teenagers, I have gotten a sense for herding cats in a way that makes me respect directors a lot more. <laughs> um, and stage managers yeah. a lot more. I, I just have uh, the utmost respect for those types of people. Case in point, I used to argue with directors or stage managers for like artistic license. I don't do that anymore. It's not worth it. They probably know better because I know better than my students. So they, my directors probably know better than me. It's just a nice little hierarchy.
2: Yeah. Well, and they have this sort of bigger hopefully bigger picture in their head
0: they're working
3: (laughs)
2: toward. So I sort of want to go through putting on a high school musical from the beginning. Mm -hmm. These kids come out and audition and tell us about that. Is it just like we've seen on American Idol and do you enjoy crushing their dreams?
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. And yes. In every way. (laughs) Let's see. So it is not like American Idol. It's far less glamorous. (laughs) <laughs> except except maybe for like opening night. That's got some American Idol vibes. But no, I I we hate crushing kids' dreams. We don't have to do it very often. One thing when if you want me to dig into kind of the process at some point, one thing we were able to get away with where I worked, which is where you worked, Ms. V. I, I'm allowed to mention that that we worked, you already mentioned we worked together, right? Yeah. Um so if you
2: want to admit that, that's
0: where where we work, the way we do the musical there is it's it's pretty open ended. If you audition, chances are you're gonna get in. Mm-hmm. We have in the in the six years that I worked there and the six shows that we did, I, I think we only cut maybe twenty or thirty people over the course of all those years. I mean, we averaged maybe one to two cuts a year. So my math there was terrible, but that's a good segue into the fact that I'm an English, English and English
2: teacher, yes, and theater
0: teacher. <laughs>
1: sitting here as a math teacher and going, Wow, yeah, yeah. that doesn't sound right. Yep. Yep. Yep.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, we didn't have to cut very many people. And whenever we, you know, cast the show, we're always aware of the possibility that a couple kids will drop, a couple kids will get sick, especially during COVID. That's a putting on a musical during COVID was a complete that's a completely different story. But yeah, fortunately we don't have to crush too many dreams. What we do have to do is like tamp down the divas every now and then. And there are kids who are who are there to grab the spotlight and sometimes we want that and sometimes we want to give everybody the spotlight, so every now and then we got to say, "Hey, tone it down." Sometimes we're trying to hog the spotlight as the directors and we have to be like, "All right, let's 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 give the kids a little bit more stage time." So, I I'd like to think we don't crush too many dreams.
1: It's interesting to me because when I taught elementary school, okay, so we're talking young kids, you know, third through fifth at that point, and there were kids, like, I didn't put on the play, I actually was the advisor for the talent show for a while, and anybody could be there, which means the talent was totally in, like, you know, quotation marks, but for the play, and these are young kids, they actually did cut kids. Oh, yeah. Like they, like, yeah, they would give us these envelopes and say, okay, well, give these out at the end of the day, and, like, You knew that in some of these envelopes, it was like "thanks for trying out," but we can use you backstage. And I remember being like, "That's so messed up." Brutal.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Not even even looking
0: you in the eyes as they. I mean, no. I just say that. Yeah. Posting the cast list on the wall is also awful, and that's what we do.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But those are also, you're talking about older kids too. Sure, like these yeah. were, I mean, these were kids sobbing and like grabbing oh, yeah. onto me going, why? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not my <laughs> thing.
0: I don't know. Oh, this is probably why they do the envelopes is they say, hey, go read this in a corner away from me. Go
2: home. Take go home and read home and this. Parents yeah. Deal yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, and I think, you know, I don't know how many kids, you know, total sh- come out or that kind of thing but from it just seeing the plays it seems like you guys do a nice job of including a lot of you know dancers or things like that so that there are positions for kids who maybe aren't lead material but they can still be involved
0: yeah every year we have you know kids who say well i i i can't sing but i can dance i wish i could do the musical and we're like what are you talking about or kids will be like, "Oh, I can only sing. I can't do the other stuff, so I can't do musical." And we're like, "No, no, no! You're the exact type we're looking for." Because we kind of just like, if you can do, you know, if you do one of the three, if you can dance, sing, or act, any one of the three, that's great. If you can't do one of the three and you're willing to learn, you're fine. So I, I do wish that kids understood how open we are about skill levels.
1: Which um, which musicals did you do?
0: So we have done a, a bunch of classics. We've done stuff like Grease. Uh, ironically, we've done High School Musical. <laughs> we've done some of this was not during my tenure, but we've done like some classics like um, Wizard of Oz, Joseph. Mm-hmm. The top ones we did while I was there that I just had a fantastic time were like Adams Family, and we got like 90% of the way through Into the Woods, and then it got canceled because of the pandemic. It was incredible. Oh. It was going to be a fantastic show, but yeah, all sorts of stuff. Stuff with big casts is usually our our goal. Big, Cinderella big this year. Cinderella, big box office musicals. We try to mm-hmm. keep it pretty broad and accessible, so you know you're not going to see us doing like a Sweeney Todd, although I'd love to.
2: <laughs> That'd be
0: fun. <laughs> That'd be very fun. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh my God, the parents in the audience who brought their small children are like, ah, it's
0: happening?" <laughs> it'd, it'd be bad. <laughs> it'd be amazing. <laughs> Well,
2: so this year when I went to see Cinderella, a girl and her family were sitting behind me and she was one of the leads in into the into the woods, into the woods. Yeah. And at intermission, we were talking and she was like, tears are just like streaming. because She was like, we never got to do it because of COVID. So I was like, she was like, they're amazing. I never got to have my moment. But so it was so bittersweet because like you said, they were you were just within weeks of opening day, weren't yeah. you? Cause March two weeks, um.
0: we, we were two weeks. I mean, and, and we were anybody who has ever been in the theater world, you know, you, you usually know a couple weeks out, how, how good the show is looking and our show was looking good that year. It was really solid. We probably could have performed in one week if we'd needed to, but unfortunately, you know, that was the, that was the, the worst summer of COVID because, you know, we had nothing, we had no vaccines, we had no immunity, So we locked up hard and couldn't do it. And the next year we said, well, we'll we'll give it a shot again. We still have two thirds of these kids. We'll bring back the seniors from college and let them have their same roles again. And we got halfway into that process and had to cancel it. And and at that point, you know, after two years of trying to put that show on for these kids, we we gave up. We said you did a fantastic job, but there was no way around it. And The choir director eventually got to do that, you know, a a musical performance of it, which I think was a fantastic thing for those kids who were early on, you know, freshmen and sophomores when COVID hit. But yeah, those seniors, unfortunately, will just never get that show back. And that's a bummer.
2: Yeah. It happened to people on Broadway, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. True, true.
0: Everybody, everybody dealt with it. Yeah.
2: How do you get these kids to commit? I mean, it's obviously a ton of time. And then for some of them an insane amount of lines to learn. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're there voluntarily, so they want to be there, but we all know teenagers have an attention span yep. that often doesn't go three months. So how do you keep them going? And Yeah.
0: Working? So this is where I would, you know, I, I can't take any credit for this. This is our choir director who i I'll probably just call Ms. B for the sake of this podcast. Uh, You know, if if any of you have ever met her, she is just a a dynamo. She's a powerhouse. She works and works and works. And she demands a really high quality production, but equips the students to do a really high quality production. And she's been doing that for 10 years. And so this culture has built up of, you know, I I would put it in the same ballpark of of the culture you get on a, a sports team. It's this culture where the students who have made it through at least one year of musical and become veterans, sophomores, juniors, and seniors who've done it for a year, they hold the product in such high esteem that new people coming into the program are immediately introduced to this environment where these kids care so much about the quality of the product. and. You have to have really mature older students to push that. And mm. this they're all in. You have to maintain those really serious students. And then you treat it like a sports season. You, I mean, I'm I'm getting all touchy feely and say, Oh, you get the you get the kids all into it. We also just make them sign waivers. I mean, they and their parents <laughs> are signing waivers that say that they're gonna be at every single performance. I wish that it was free to do musical, but it's not. We make them pay a participation fee, not that different than you know, sports buying some of your equipment, but it, it's low. It's you know in the ballpark of 15 to 20 bucks. But they've got that investment. We we talk to parents, we actually pull the parents in for a day and explain the importance of scheduling. We do p- weekly parent emails. So it's like just an all hands-on-deck effort. You've got your upperclassmen helping your lowerclassmen understand the importance, you've got the teacher encouraging parents, parents encouraging students. And then like, Mizzy, I think you can back this up. Like the community loves this show. It's a huge Mm -hmm. deal. People get excited for it and the kids can sense it. So I don't think there's any one particular thing that we do to keep students involved. It is just coming from all directions that it's an important thing And a couple of these kids, it is their one big thing that they do through their high school career is theater. And we're super Mm -hmm. lucky that we have that in a kind of a a rural, smaller town uh, that we've got such a killer theater program.
1: You know, it's interesting making the comparison between this and sports teams. And it's true, like, we don't think about like, well, how do you get these kids to participate in sports? You know, like, we just know that they try out and they're all into it. And they're going to show up for practice or they're going to get benched. Like that's how it works. But for these Mm -hmm. kids, you know, and it's not just theater, it's newspaper, it's yearbook, it's, it's all those things. That's their thing. In our high school, my son participated in uh, this thing. It's called Ipple. It's a a constitutional competition and whatever that, I mean, they ended up going to nationals, but this was like their football game, you know, and Mm -hmm. they are committed to it. And, uh, you know, it's a great comparison to look at it and say, you know, we do what it's like a sports thing. And you'd never think twice about kids showing up at that, you know? Right. So
0: hundred percent. Well, I
2: think also you raise a good point of when you have a program that already has a reputation. I mean, when I was in high school, I played softball for a team that before me and continues now goes to state every year and is highly competitive and so you definitely, by the time you make the varsity team, you already are ready for those expectations. The culture is there. The people yep. who are there before you, you know, already know the expectations. And and so, yeah, I think that's. And while Miss B has now been there for quite a while, but she came after a choir teacher who also had kind of started that. So it's been really quite a long reputation now yeah. that I think about it that the schools had. Although, of course, you know, it never makes. It doesn't get the same publicity like a winning football team. And then here we've had this program for far longer.
0: We do have to make some of our own publicity. And that's part of putting on a musical. It's part of, part of my job in the last several years has been publicizing that because it, it's not natural on its own. You don't get the websites, you know, putting a ton of information out, of, out about it and keeping stats on us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, we you know, we poster the heck out of the town. But yeah, we, it, it gets known over time and we did have a fantastic person who had it before Ms. B who built up, you know, the reputation. So it's all reputation.
2: So, so what would you, have, you have, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you
0: go ahead. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> if you had to say like the one hardest thing, I mean, I, to me, it all feels hard and impossible because I was thinking while you were talking, you know, even if you're coaching, like I feel like you have to invent the game almost, you know, yeah. like at least a coach has the schedules kind of set outside beyond them. And the team, maybe have some people who return and play the same positions, but it's kind of the same every year. But I mean, a completely a different musical every year is like reinventing the wheel almost every year. Sure. But if you had to say like the <laughs> one thing, that's like the hardest part.
0: I've got an easy answer and, and probably a harder answer that, the easy answer is the time commitment it's it's ridiculous yeah. it's you know it it you're taking your already kind of long teacher day and extending it by another 4 to 5 hours and you know the worst of it is during tech week which anyone who's been in theater knows that's like that's the hell week that's when you're there extra long doing lighting getting the costumes on it's the week before the show during that week i get up at 5:45 I get my coffee, I'm on the road in the dark, I arrive at the school in the dark, I stand with my face plastered to my window to try and soak up some vitamin D as the sun rises, (laughs) I teach an eight-hour day, I go and cry in my car, then I come (laughs) back inside and we start our rehearsal and our rehearsal goes until 9 p.m. and 10, 10 o'clock during tech week and then I go back out into the darkness and drive home so there's like a two-week period where I don't get any sunlight and I get really pale and the students say things like hey are you okay and <laughs> you know it it tends to be worth it because we're close to the show so that's that's the easy answer is the time commitment can be hell I think the harder answer is like there there does come a certain point when like you have to stop having fun with the kids and tell them there's a show on the horizon and like Sometimes that means, I mean, the, the meanest I've ever been, the, the most of a hard ass I've ever been as a teacher is not in the classroom. It's with my musical kids when I'm like, hey, you guys are trying to sit here on your cell phone and film TikToks and like, we're not going to have a show in a week. And yeah. it's it. I feel way more empowered to be a hard ass when we've got such a big project on on the line than I do in the classroom because when a student is donking around and and messing up his own grade like that that's a, a one person gig mm-hmm. but
3: I'll get isn't I'll, yeah <laughs> I'll get a little
0: yeah I'll get a little ticked off at a kid who's kind of throwing away their contribution to something that's going to be really cool so that's the that's the more sentimental answer I guess
1: have you had any issues with parents like either <laughs> in terms of the time <laughs> commitment or yeah or thinking their kids should have bigger parts oh, or yeah. whatever okay so Let's
0: hear it. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we've had a couple issues throughout the years. I mean, our parents tend to be super supportive. What, what we don't have, and I, I'm very thankful for this. I, I just I don't think it's as much in the culture. we don't have parents yelling at the director like parents yell at the coach. you know, why oh, why isn't my kid getting more stage time? That doesn't really happen. and I think part of it is because, you know, the, we, we make one big decision. We cast your kid at the beginning of the school year. That's it. After that, all the, the, the ducks are in a row. There's no decisions after that point. So we don't really get parents who are mad that their kid didn't get cast. I mean, I, I think most people understand the, the way theater works. We do get grumbles about fundraising. We get grumbles about the cost of you know, the show. We get grumbles about the time commitment. But you know the vast majority of parents are super supportive of the program. I have only had a couple really tough situations, but you know just to kind of give context for like the kind of decisions we have to make. We had a year where you know we had eleven snow days, uh, and this was one of you can remember the year, but we had eleven snow days in one year, and. We had a series of two weeks that essentially were snowed out. And during that, you know, 11 days in the world of theater is bonkers. It's you're, you have to change your show at that point. And we tried to change the show and we're actually told by the legal department of the, the company we were renting the scores for that we'd be sued if we changed the show. So,
1: right. Yes.
0: You know, we told, we told them, well, look, we're not going to be able to put on the show because our kids can't memorize their lines with only a week until production. And they said, okay, well, we'll sue you for that too. So, you know, we're between this rock and a hard place where we don't have a show. And so we moved the show and we moved right. it a couple weeks down the road. And we looked and looked and looked for a date that worked for every single kid. And there just wasn't, it didn't exist. So yeah. we finally pulled the trigger on a date. And one of our leads couldn't make it on that date. And we just had to be okay with that. And we you know, sat the kid down and we said, look, this, for, for the other 50 kids who are in the show, this worked. This was the only date that worked for them. The kid was great about it. The parent absolutely tore us a new one. And I get it. It's, it was one of those situations where there was nothing I can do. I can't possibly know what it feels like to be that parent watching your kid get the show taken away from you. But the other option was the show being taken away from 49 other kids. Yeah, and right. so those are the kinds of situations where I, I, you know, we just, we got yelled at, we agreed with the person yelling at us. We found a way for the kid to make one performance so that he had his moment in the spotlight, but mm-hmm. he missed several. And, and that is just kind of how the cookie crumbled. A lot of kids went and told that kid, thank you for, you know, sacrificing for the, the show, but the parent, did not see it the same way and i don't blame the parent in the slightest
1: yeah no i mean the parent doesn't want their kid to be hurt and like you said have it taken away they're doing it from a place of caring about their kid as opposed to something you know like oh my kid is great at this and should have a a bigger part or whatever you're lucky though because the sports thing is you know you're right parents do say like, my kid can do this. Why isn't my kid pitching? Yep. Why you know, all that stuff? So it's nice to not have that piece of it.
0: Yep, absolutely. Have you
2: ever had any pushback about any of the plays that you have selected?
0: So, you know, I, I'll, I'll say that it's a lot easier to do shows that you know will get no pushback. And yeah. in in our community, we've just selected shows that aren't going to get pushback. What we haven't really done is, you know, what we don't do is we don't sift through the script and look for issues. We just go with shows that we know generally won't cause too much of a fuss, but that means you're going to mm-hmm. you're going to encounter issues. So we have we've had to make changes to, you know, we had to take a drinking scene out of Greece. You know, this is the scene where there's the oh, sleepover. We replace the wine bottle with a bottle of chocolate because it still fits the line. Look, it's imported. So <laughs> and, and they were being bad because they were eating chocolate after midnight. So, you know, it works.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a couple of shows that you know we've we've talked about doing and set out, you know, Sweeney Todd, for example. I bring it up every year because I'm um, you know, a maniac and I love that show. <laughs> but you know, probably we'll never do it just because it's so gory. There's it's it's pretty common what the canon is for high school theater. And what the canon is is for um, adult theater, and we don't, you know, we're not going to be putting on Miss Saigon,
3: <laughs> but
0: we'll 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 do anything tame. It is funny every single year theaters get pushed back for Mama Mia, which you would think,
3: really,
0: yeah, you would think that's so tame, but the whole yeah. the whole three dads, and I don't know which one is the father thing, always gets uh, people in trouble.
2: <laughs> it's a little too close to home for yeah. some
3: people, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, and I hadn't thought of this till just this conversation, but given, you know, you guys do three shows or four? What do you mean? At the end, like the final oh, oh, oh. So, three show. Oh,
0: three shows. Three shows plus like a, a parent performance that is okay. is essentially a full show. And so those are three usually slash four.
2: packed. And I do wonder, to, or I don't wonder, I know there are families in our community who that is their only theater experience or they are bringing small children who have never had a theater experience. And we don't live. I mean, we obviously do have some bigger theaters within 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I guess, depending which way you want to go. But I think that's also such a valuable thing. I mean, it's obviously valuable for the kids who are in it, but then when you think about what you're providing for your community, that's a great experience for kids to get to see, you know, for what seven bucks a ticket, yeah. Plus, for me, I can take my young kids, and if they're complete asshats, we haven't like embarrassed ourselves in a real theater. You know, I mean, now they're older, but when right. they were Cause, younger, because
3: we don't
1: <laughs> now, when they're asshats so, and they're older, it's yeah. you know, you can just say like leave, and <laughs> yeah, you, and you can, right. I just take know, their make them leave without, yeah, you know. yeah <laughs> I, exactly.
0: I do have to say, when we're doing a show, I sit up in the booth and I watch ms v's kids specifically and every time <laughs> they act like asshats i i say wow she's yeah, a, such a such a bad mom
1: <laughs> suddenly you see the spotlight going from <laughs> like the, the the lead in yeah. the show down to the audience <laughs> and my these kids. And it's like, why is <laughs> the why is the spotlight on these
2: kids What's i will have you here? know that at my son's seventh grade band concert the parent in front of us turned around and shushed me <laughs>
1: Not your kids, not your other kids. It was my my mom and I, but
2: I would like to say in our defense, they were swapping, they did, it was seventh and eighth grade and like every other song, one band was out and the other band came in and it was pretty organized considering, but it was during that transitional three minutes that we were whispering. And this guy said, it's awful hard to concentrate with you two talking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are you concentrating on?
2: (laughs) We were ruining the performance for him. So, <laughs> so, so what did, so did you have like a comeback for that? Or did you just say, Oh, sorry. I seriously was just so shocked. I, I just was like, I think I just like rolled my eyes or said like, okay. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> we obnoxiously shushed each other the next <laughs> the show. If anyone dared to say anything, but that it was the adults. My son just was sitting there being embarrassed of us. So the 8-year-old <laughs> the, spot- the best behaved one the spotlight was on you they yes. suddenly the, the light came we <laughs> out. wasn't on the conductor board. anymore Find us in the balcony <laughs> 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 oh so, yeah do we want to talk about where you're what you're doing now or sure. do you have more questions Yomis?
1: i actually had one more question have you ever thought about writing a musical yourself
0: oh my goodness I wish. I wish I had the skills to do that. Mm-hmm. Writing a musical would be said, you'd have to, you have to know music a lot better than I do.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: M- which, you know, I, my, my world of theater is, is acting, directing, and producing. But writing is, is this different breed because you have to be able to do all those things. And then you also have to be able to read and write music yourself, you probably have to be able to write lyrics quite well. I mean, I should say probably you do. And I, I just don't have those skills. You know, yeah. I I this might be a shock to Ms. V who worked with me, but I I don't really write much at all. It's not it's not my forte. I'm I'm a great I'm great at editing writing mm-hmm. and I love to read, but I'm not much of a writer when it comes to creative writing. I did dabble in poetry in college, but I've never written music well enough to ever think about that. I did write you know, like theatrical monologues and stuff in college, but it, it's just not my cup of tea. I'd rather have a a nice script handed to me and and figure it out myself. But I think that'd be super cool. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ms. B ever considers doing that though, because she's much more oh. talented when it comes to music.
1: Okay, that was my only question. So
2: go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you just this past spring transitioned from teaching to Something else, I guess, before we get into that, do you think you'll still, are you still going to work with the musicals at the school or are you now not part of that either?
0: I have, I have no idea. That is something that is uh, to be decided.
2: So tell us what you're doing now.
0: Okay. Well, it's a little hard to describe my job, but (laughs) the, the company is easy enough to describe. So I work at a company that optimizes warehouses it gets packages to just move through them faster. And that's mostly done through automation. Mm
2: -hmm. I have
0: zero experience in anything related to that. My job is completely work from home and I build curriculum with a team of other, so the job is called instructional design. So I build curriculum with a team of instructional designers to teach internally or externally how to use the the programs, the software, the hardware that, that the company makes. So it is very, very dry and very technical, but I'm, I'm learning to find things in it that I actually really like. It's, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a totally different world. So if I was to, you know, simplify it down to the, the most basic level, I just, I, I write lessons on a learning management system like an online teacher would.
1: What caused you to walk away from your previous position?
0: A million different things for sure. And I think anybody who's ever taught but especially people who have taught in the last couple of years probably have their own million different reasons, but I just found mine that broke the camel's back. but uh the the core reason is that I kind of made a promise to myself two years ago and this was about one year into the pandemic. It feels crazy to say that we're like going on year three of the pandemic but I think a lot of people who teach started to realize that the pandemic can throw everything into chaos, and it, it did for me. And I kind of made a vow to myself that I did if I didn't have a great year the next year, last year, mm-hmm. I would I would quit and I would look for something new. And I I had a, a fine year, in moments it was even a good year, but it, it rarely lasted long. That I felt really good about how the year was going, and mm-hmm. I just couldn't look myself in the face and say, "Hey, I had a good year." And I had made that promise to myself that I didn't have a Great year, I would try something new and and I didn't. So I kept my promise. I I looked around at jobs and I I decided to try something new.
2: Good for you. So how has it been transitioning from the chaos of kids and a schedule yeah. all day to working at home?
0: I am the most relaxed I've ever been. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it it it's um it's it's a lot calmer and I uh am beginning to kind of take back. A lot of things that I realized I, I, I couldn't do as a teacher, like, you know, make French press coffee and, and pancakes before work. You know, that's something that I, I never did as a mm-hmm. teacher. And I like having that back. But, you know, I also realized that working from home, you have this whole new set of challenges and that you are in, you've moved from, you know, an environment that is chaos and discomfort and that you're just always, you know, moving, having to do something to this environment that is all comfort you know i'm in my own home and suddenly i don't want to work as much you know it's so so the, mm. the same issues persist in in just different forms and then of course you know working from home is it, it, it can be lonely i've got a, a very mean cat who is unpleasant <laughs> and, and bites me but at least it's stimulation you know it, it keeps <laughs> me awake
2: it's some <laughs> <at> least. <Yeah. laughs>
1: it's it's attention anyway
2: right. <laughs> And you're then, out at getting the mail at your apartment, like, Hey, everyone, what's everyone doing today? <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. And then my, my partner is a teacher who, um, you know, just gets to have a, a lazy summer now. And so, uh, every now and then I've got a buddy who, you know, can, can bring me coffee and snacks while I'm working. So yeah, it, it, it's definitely a shift. wait.
1: Your partner brings you coffee and snacks while you're working. Uh, hello, Scotty. Uh, we're, we're coffee and snacks while I'm working.
0: I'll bring you some if you bring me some.
1: Oh, but you're near the kitchen. I'm, you know, oh, in our I'm vast
0: here, I'm here too.
1: Yeah, I'm a, in our vast house. I'm actually also near the kitchen. Our, house, uh,
3: our mints.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the different wings. Well, <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> I I think uh, the fact that I'm working eight hour days and she's playing Animal Crossing in the other room kind of makes, <laughs> makes makes up makes for why a I
2: Happy runner.
0: Yeah, I get to know, ask for. On your team,
2: are there other teachers?
0: Yeah, that and that's something that was really reassuring to me, but also blew my mind when I was doing my job interview. They said, well, we have a habit of hiring teachers. And I said, what is a habit? And they said, well, the team is 20 and currently a quarter of it is former teachers.
2: Oh, nice.
0: Oh. Which, you know, it is pretty indicative of what's happening right now. And like, uh, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but this is me, okay. this is me getting on a soapbox. <laughs> I am, you know, I am, uh, we, we talk a lot about this wave of leader teachers who's leaving. I'm in that wave now and I see where they're going. And they're going to jobs like this which you know are are not in the grand scheme of things harder than teaching this job is mm-hmm. not harder than teaching but it is a job that you know essentially takes advantage of the skills that teachers have and unfortunately pays them a lot more and that's a big reason why this this wave of teachers is happening is because i think a lot of teachers are realizing hey my skill set Opens me up for this, and a lot of businesses are, are saying, Hey, teachers are leaving right now. That is a massive set of people with predictable skill sets and um, work ethics that we can start harvesting.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And they are. I
2: interviewed um, for an instructional design position when I was looking, and I had to do like a sample. They gave me like this company's had, has had like a data breach. And so they wanted to build, I had to do some sample, like writing of this new software that people were going to go through to make their security safer. And I was like super intimidated having to do it because all I have ever been is an English teacher. And it was wild, even though the content, while, like you said, it was much drier, but I got into it and was like, Oh, I totally know how to do this. Like write a few quiz questions, write a short introductory script, like come up with the objectives. And I was like, Oh shit, I can do this. But it was interesting. It was what I actually liked about it was it was kind of refreshing to just be able to do it in adult language. I didn't have to do it and then kind of turn it into teenage language while I was structuring, you know, the stuff. And So I applied for that kind of like, oh, I don't really know what this is. And then after I did that, I thought, oh, this might actually be something I would like. Because that kind of like you said, the content, I was worried like this will be not as fun. But then I did find, oh, I have a skill set to do this. That part of it was
0: fun. Right
1: even more fun when they pay you like, you know, <laughs> one and a half times yeah. Yeah. what you were making as a teacher and you're not bringing work home at night, you know, five o'clock peace out. And
0: right. Just not
1: having that, that stress. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know? And well, that, that's the thing that I think to me is such a bummer is I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good with being stressed no matter where I work, but I, because I kind of expect it. It's, it's part me, it's part how hard I want to work, but as a teacher, I wasn't getting paid for that stress and I, I don't think any teacher is getting paid for their stress. Nope. And uh, I think there's kind of this cop-out answer of, Oh, well, teachers, you get these long breaks. So, you know, you get to recover, but you know, when, when you are spending your summer break recovering from your job, then it's not really a break, is it? Like, like the purpose of a break isn't purely recovery. It's so that you can go live your life.
2: All right. Anything else we want to, want to ask? Oh, well. I just was curious, I guess, sort of as a final note, if there's any more, I mean, I know you've been in this new position a month. So if you, it might be too soon, but if you have any sort of takeaways now that you look back, you've, I presumably you had to sort of toil with, should you make this transition? And then you did. And now yeah. looking back, do you, what are your thoughts on like, few dodged a bullet there? Or are you still kind of trying to decide what you think?
0: Well, it, it's an interesting spot for me because everyone who I talk to about this job assumes one of a couple of things. They assume that I left in a huff, angrily, or that I left absolutely completely burned out, like I hated kids by the end. None of those things are true. I left for a much less interesting reason, which is, is that I, I wanted to go do something. Um where I made more money to be honest and i I sometimes feel a little bit bad about that but you know the issue for me is that as a young adult, I realized that I was putting big life goals on hold to maintain my job as a teacher you know i'm I'm a millennial. I would not really be able to own a home under the the salary I had I, I calculated it out it just didn't really ever look feasible. My partner is a teacher and she has won't say the exact number but a ridiculous amount of debt and you know is is something that's going to be incredibly difficult to pay off on a teacher's salary and so i was forced into this situation where teaching had to be a phase for me and what i would love to do is come back where teaching can be my career but when we're working in a world where teaching doesn't pay you enough to sustain yourself or to advance any other goals in your life. Instead, teaching has to be a phase. And so, you know, I don't want to like try and toot my own horn, but I was decent at teaching. And I think that it's a bummer that as a a decent teacher in an era where we need teachers really badly, I wasn't able to maintain it simply for financial reasons. Mm -hmm. That's just tough. So If you're in a financial place to keep teaching, please God, keep teaching. Our kids need it so bad. Yeah. You know, and if you're someone who can make decisions about the income of your teachers, please know that like if your teacher, if you know, if your teachers are making less than fifty thousand dollars, like they are they're not living a life of any kind of luxury. They're choosing teaching every day despite not being paid the right amount.
2: At the MEA, every time we go to a different city for like a meeting or whatever, we always do a service project. And this most recent one that we did, we painted a fence for Habitat for Humanity. And while we were there, the guy, the Habitat guy was kind of giving us a little spiel. And he said, yeah, last year, we actually built two houses for teachers who were working full time. One was a single dad with two kids. He was working and coaching and couldn't afford a house.
0: It's insane.
2: And then the other one was like a young couple, but I know I thought like, you know, right there, if that's on huge red flag, that Habitat for Humanity is like, yeah, we like to partner with the Teachers Association because you are some of our best clients.
0: It's wild.
1: You know what? It's a smart decision because coming from the standpoint of being in my 60s, like those years go fast. And if, if all of it is not what you want because you've dedicated yourself to a job that's not paying you well enough. You're never going to look back and say like, well, at least I taught for all these years. Like you're going to (laughs) look back and go, wow, like I shit, I didn't buy a house. I couldn't have a kid because I couldn't afford it. I could, you know, yeah. Like there's a lot more to to life in general than than work.
3: Mm -hmm. And
1: I've proved that by changing careers three times. But um there's, you know, there's a lot more to it. It's a very smart way to look at it right in my opinion
0: well and and you know as a as a teacher you know my my ability to be my best for my students depends on my ability to go home and and still be satisfied with my life at home as well Mm -hmm. it uh, it's it's those days when i come home way too late and all i have to look forward to is waking up the next morning and doing it all over again that i i can't be the you know upbeat chipper person i'm supposed to be and you know, I I taught a class called Positive Psychology, and I had to come in and talk to students about mental health and work-life balance. Ah. When I'm coming home at ten from musical, mm-hmm. and I'm still in my twenties now, but in my early twenties, I started at at my district at 22, and I'm 28 now. Mm-hmm. And you know, when ah, I was, you're
1: my daughter's age. When <laughs> I
0: when I had just started, you know, I had the energy to to do that. And I only could maintain that for a couple of years before I realized I needed a much healthier work-life balance. And even then I, it only maintained for another couple more years. And then I said, I I just can't do it. I need my, I need my free time to um, feel like free time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it goes fast. You don't want to look back and say like, wow, (laughs) great. I was a teacher for 30 years, but like, we're still living in the same apartment, you know? (laughs) All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for, for telling us that in fact, it really isn't like glee necessarily. <laughs> and, and good luck in your new position. I think, I think you're doing the right thing. I, you got my vote on this one. So
0: Well, I, uh, I appreciate that. And I know it's the right thing for me right now, but you know, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm early in my career, regardless of what I'm doing. So it's uh, we're going to see how it goes.
1: Okay. But we're not done with you. Okay. So don't go anywhere. Right, I'll hang out. It is. Time for us to do pop quiz, where we'll ask you questions that are silly and sometimes stupid. And uh,
0: I'm both of those things. I'm ready mine are usually
1: stupid. Miss V's are just <laughs> silly sometimes. And we will answer them as well
2: as asking you to answer them. So Miss V, are you ready with a question or shall yes, I? I have one. I want okay, to go. what was the thing you all wanted to be when you grew up, when you were little?
0: I've, I've got oh. mine.
2: I've got mine. Me too. (laughs) Go ahead, Nick.
0: I'm I'm thinking. I I was really optimistic about the idea that I'd be good at science. And so I wanted to be a marine biologist.
1: You and George Costanza. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A dream died very quickly when I learned that I had to do chemistry and I cannot do that. So
2: So I have to piggyback off that because I had a similar dream crushing experience with science. I wanted to be a veterinarian my whole life. Like I job shadowed with the vets in high school. That's the only reason I went to Michigan state because they have the only vet school in the state. And while I did struggle considerably in chemistry in high school, once I got to chemistry at the college level, oh no, I was, this was not (laughs) a place for me. So once I got to like the math and science portion where You have to pretty much kind of learn it on your own because you're in college now. I was like, this is my GPA was real rough that first semester.
1: Oh, no. Well, I'm one of those people. I wanted to be a teacher. (laughs) I I really did. That's what I wanted to be. And I wasn't a teacher at first because my parents said, and I quote, we will not pay for college for you to wait tables and drive a cab because there were no teaching jobs when I was going to college. So I said, well, I don't know how to pay for college because I'm 16. So I don't know how this shit works. So I ultimately uh, went into business and did that. And then eventually came back to be a teacher. But I know it's trite, but I actually did want to be a teacher. You
2: know, what's funny is I used to play school. That's all I, play. I didn't really play veterinarian, but (laughs) then, yeah, then when I ended up in the college of ed, everyone around me was like, yes, this is all falling into place that and Uh, talking nonstop. So it was a natural (laughs) fit for me. (laughs) Scotty, what did you want to be when you grew up?
3: I I grew up in the space age. So I grew up in the early sixties. So of course, as a little kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. And then when I got into high school, I, I actually, I wanted to be an engineer and I took a summer course at a,
0: at a college when I was a junior. And for those who are a older age, computers were punch cards. You had to type out these punch cards and put them in the computer
3: and it, you would run 30 cards through a machine and it would come back and say syntax error, <laughs> which means there was a comma somewhere on one of those 30 cards. That was wrong. And I said, I ain't doing this. So <laughs> that was sort of my story. And uh, but as a little kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. I never
1: actually I never knew that that you wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah, a, but see. You know, I was well, more we'll material discuss-
2: for the after show. Exactly. That's <laughs> what
1: I was just gonna say. We'll discuss this at the after show.
2: Well, that's all why, right. that's, why
3: that's why I'm in space all the time, but anyhow.
2: Uh-huh.
3: Then,
1: uh, uh, okay. Uh-huh. Here's my question. So all of us have. Pets, correct? I mean, yep. Miss V has pets that have terrible haircuts. Uh, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> so, if you could ask your pet something that they could actually answer in language we could understand, not just barking or meowing at you, what would you ask them?
3: I've got this one, okay? <laughs> what do you want?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs>
3: What do you want? Come on. So
2: there's a lot that I wouldn't want to know because I like to assume that they're fine being left home alone for eight hours Mm -hmm. a day. Like I don't (laughs) really want to know if they're actually like struggling with their mental health sometimes. Like I would just feel so bad. So (laughs) I would like to know why all of a sudden all they want to do is get shit off the counter and chew it up and shred it Ever Like they haven't done, this is a new, they've just decided anything mm-hmm. they can reach is fair game. And I want to know why, why now don't we have That's enough right. chew toys for you? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Doggy menopause.
2: <laughs> They're only there three you go. and oh. nails.
0: <laughs> oh, well, forget it.
1: Well, I don't know. Okay. Nick, um, what would you ask your mean cat that bites you?
0: I, I think I'd, I'd, it's, it's kind of self-centered and conceited, but I just, I would, I'd want to ask if he actually likes me at all. <laughs> I think, I think cat owners can identify with this. Like yes. there, there are yeah. these times when your cat is being so nice and rubbing you and purring and you're like, wow, you finally love me. And then you look over and like, oh no, the food bowl is just empty. (laughs) So I'd love to know if there's like even a shred of of actual affection there.
1: Okay, that's fair. I would like to ask our dog Ryder that when I think she's smiling, is she actually smiling? That's a good
2: one.
1: Because she okay, so our dog has never been good about the car. She doesn't love like being in the car for long periods, which we proved by making her drive cross country and back, you know, (laughs) and we found out, yes, she really doesn't like it, but she likes to go for a short ride. And every night, we one of us takes her out in the car for a short ride, and all you have to do is say to her, like you know, car, and she just goes crazy. She's like jumping up, is literally jumping up and down, running and around in circles, running
3: around, right? And she
1: spins around. She like goes crazy, and she does what I consider to be a smile. So I want to ask her, like, is that a smile or is that just your face doing something that you have no <laughs> control over, <laughs> like? Which one is it? I'd also like to ask her if she actually likes me better than Scotty, but, but you know, because um, it depends on the day. Usually she likes him better, but we'll see. That's not
3: necessarily true. <laughs>
1: yeah, When she was a puppy, she definitely liked the men in the house better. She'd be like, oh, they're home, and then she would like, you know, fart in our faces.
3: It was just <laughs>
1: really annoying. <laughs> All right. Well, those are our pop quiz questions, so I think we are are ready to close this baby out. So again, Nick, thanks so much for coming on.
3: Thank you. And, it was a uh, for being Part
1: of our podcast family.
3: Absolutely. Kind of a big family.
1: Okay. Um, thanks to
2: Max Ziskind of Max and Max in the morning for our intro. And thanks to Elaine Eckert for our artwork. Thank you to Scotty for making us sound fabulous and competent. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you like what we're doing here on the show, there are two ways you can help. First, spread the word about our show. Tell your friends, your enemies, your frenemies. Share us on social media with your teacher and non-teacher friends alike. Second, please leave us a review and a rating wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: We'd love to hear from you. You can find us all over social media. Our contact information is in the episode notes. And thank you all again for listening.
2: And don't forget, back to school letters go out to parents in a few weeks.
1: And remember, you can only use Funtac to put things on the walls. No staples, no nails. (laughs) All right. See you next time. Bye.